0: Hi, Pastor Anthony here. At Vintage Faith Church, we stand behind the Bible's claim to be the Word of God, and we believe that the Scriptures contain everything needed for life and godliness. The Scriptures testify to the hope that we have in Jesus Christ. We pray that this recording stirs your faith towards that end. This is in no way meant to be a substitute for the local church gathering, which we believe is critical to your growth as a Christian and your walk with Christ. We pray that you will find the sermon edifying and challenging. Thank you for listening. So if you've been with us, you know that we're in a bit of a mini-series going through the mission and vision of Vintage Faith Church. We really are answering the question, what does it mean to be a disciple of Christ. That's what this series has been about. Um, what does it mean to actually follow Christ? Um, so that today we we are going to focus on spiritual gifting and serving it in the body. And the I'm going to use a word that I'm going to keep coming back to: the interdependency of the body of Christ. All that is referring to is how we are all pieces in the body with different gifts. And, and basically, your gift and my gift and others in the body are um, contributing to the health of the body. We are interdependent. We need each other. I'm going to keep coming back to that word. But let's go uh, back to Genesis, Genesis 1, 27 to 28. To Exodus, to Leviticus, to Joshua, to the prophets, to the temple, to the the glory of God in the temple, to the glory of God leaving the temple, to Jesus on the cross, to the, the church. It is always and it will always continue to be about this, that God created you and me in his image and we are to have a relationship with him and represent him to the world. Nothing has changed. This is, goes all the way back to Genesis. And this is the priesthood of the believers. We talked about that a little yesterday, and we're not going to get into that too much today. But this is the idea that we relate to God and we represent This again, keep going back to the Ten Commandments, Commandment 1 through 4 is how do we relate to this holy God? And Commandment 5 through 10 is, okay, now represent God to your brothers and sisters and to the world. So this series that we're doing is really just um, unpacking uh, Matthew 28, Matthew 28, 18 to 20. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. So I hope you can see how Matthew 28 and Genesis 1, it's the same thing. Go. Subdue the earth, make disciples, tell people about God. They need to be reconciled to God through Jesus Christ. Go and when they believe, baptize them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and teach them how to live like God has told us to live. This has always been the mission of God's people. From from Genesis to, to the Old Testament to Israel to the church, it has never changed. It looks a little different depending on when in the Bible, but it is always the same. So what is a disciple? We've had, uh, just to kind of get you up to speed um, as to where, the, where we have been. First week, we looked at the pursuit of God. A disciple seeks God as his or her greatest treasure. It all starts there. If you've been reconciled to God, it is a love within you that wells up to want to obey God and want to know God and want to know about God and want to experience God and want to worship God. Um, That is what a disciple, that's where a disciple begins He or she pursues God. And then we moved on to the fruit of the Spirit. A disciple is living through the power of the Holy Spirit and obeying God, living distinctly and differently than the world. And last week, we, we looked at a disciple evangelizes. A disciple talks about God to other people. If this God has changed your life and, and um, is transforming you, you're going to want to share what he's done in your life, and you're going to want to share with others about who this God is. And this week, we're going to look at spiritual gifts. I'm going to read here <clears throat> from... from um, a statement here on spiritual giftedness. Spiritual giftedness is discovering who God has uniquely made us to be and surrendering ourselves to his purposes, serving both the church and the world with the gifts he has given us. So I want to ask you the question, um, what do you aspire to do? What do you aspire to do? What are your passions? Have you been reconciled to God through Jesus Christ? Do you know Jesus? If you know Jesus, if you can say yes to that question, you have a spiritual gift, a gift given sovereignly by the Holy Spirit, given to you to serve the church, to build the body of Christ and that's again what we're going to look at today in talking about vocation and, and just what do you do with your life. Uh, theologian Frederick Buchner, he says this, "Your vocation in life is where your greatest joy meets the world's greatest need." Now he, Buchner here is talking about vocation, but this is also true, within the church and your spiritual gifts? Where is your greatest joy and where is the greatest need within the church? We all want purpose. None of us want to wander aimlessly through life. We all desire purpose. So if you're in here and and you're still wrestling with who is Jesus. And, and I'm not sure, Pastor, that, that, I'm, that, that I'm even here on who Jesus is. That's fine. Just sit back, listen. You'll, you'll learn something, I believe, today. But if you're in here and you know Jesus, I hope to stir up within you in some way, hey, what is your gift and, and what um, brings you to um, excitement and inspiration when, when you walk in these doors or you're part of fellowship in this church. What do you seek to do? How do you seek to build it up? It's going to look differently for everyone in here because God has interdependently gifted you and you and you and you and, you and me. We're not all the same. If we were all the same, it would be a train wreck. We don't want to make disciples of us. We want to make disciples of Christ. And I would just speak to the older crew in here. If you're older and you're like, hey, I'm I'm too old for this. It's kind of my time to to sit down um, on the bench and and let the younger crew step up. I would say, no, that's a lie from, from the devil. That's a lie from the devil. We need the wisdom of the older generations to speak in to the church and to speak to the younger generations. If you've been walking with Christ for for 30 years, 40 years, we need to hear from you. So if you're older in here and you think and you've bought that lie that you've been put out to pasture, don't believe it. All right. So before we we seek to understand our gifts, we are going to begin in Romans 12, 1, 2, because that's where Paul uh, begins. So if you know anything about the book of Romans, it's perhaps the deepest dive on the gospel that you're going to find in one book of the Bible. Paul just plums the depth of the gospel I mean, he he is talking about humanity turning away from worshiping God to worshiping idols. He's talking about the revealing of God's wrath As a result of this, he gets into the advantage of being a Jew, but also, hey, there's really no advantage to being a Jew. It's all about whether you believe or not. He gets into Abraham's faith and how we are walking in the steps of Abraham, how we were once in bondage to sin and have been freed from sin. He talks about the law and the gospel, talks about God's love in Romans 8, how nothing can separate us from the love of God, and one of the most beautiful chapters in the Bible. And then in chapter 12, he, he pivots, he, he turns. And, and this is like Paul does in, in all his letters. Um, we saw this in Ephesians that, that he kind of lays out the beauty of what's happened. And then he says, Therefore, now, now walk like this. Um, Romans is no different. Let's start Romans 12 1 to 2. So before we begin talking about, hey, what, what's my purpose? What's my spiritual gift? We have to begin where Paul begins. And he says, present your bodies. This word for body, uh, it's the Greek word soma. It's your whole being as living sacrifices to the Lord. So he begins by saying, essentially, hey, you, you're not your own. We could use his language and say you were bought. At a price. So give it all back to God. And then he says, Don't be conformed to this world. This world is going to try to press you into its mold. Don't be conformed to it. God, his way and how God operates is actually very different from the world. And then he tells us how we're to do this. He says, Be transformed by the renewal. Of your mind. That's pretty simple. How do we renew our minds? We're we're in God's word. We're we're under the preaching of the word. We're gathering with his saints. We're reminding each other. Hey, I know you're feeling this way, but remember, God is faithful. I know, I know you're freaking out, you got this trial going on in your life, but remember, all these are for your good. And we remind each other and we're in his word and we're renewing our minds. So if we want to know the will of God and we want to know, hey, God, how did you create me? What did you make me to do in in this world and do in, in your body? We have to first be renewing our minds. God has revealed himself through his word. From Genesis to Revelation, he has revealed himself, the first Step in understanding anything we want to understand about who we are is to understand God. It's through His Word that we see the primary importance of, of the body of Christ, of the local church. If, if you're not in your Bible, you might actually think that, hey, my faith is all about me and my life, and the church is kind of um, maybe a man made. Uh, institution, and I don't really need it. But if you're reading your Bible, you're going to see, oh, wait, no, this is the plan of God right here in all its messiness. This is God's plan. This is how he is going to show the world who he is. But you wouldn't know that if you're not in the word and conforming your mind to God rather than the world. It's through the word of God that we see this command to gather, to to not neglect what we're doing here this morning, singing the word and preaching the word and praying together, and we're going to take the Lord's Supper together. This is a, a command. God has commanded this. And again, we wouldn't know it if we weren't in his word. So how do you discern your spiritual Gifts. Well, step one, if you're a note taker, step one, know God's will through his word. Step two, Paul gives a bit of a warning here, Romans 12, 3. Let's continue it through the passage. <clears throat> For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think. But to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. Okay, so he again, this is the passage—a passage on spiritual gifts. Be in the Word. Humility. He, he's warning us: like we don't want to. think, This is not about me. This is not about you. If you're using a spiritual gift that God has given you sovereignly, it is not to draw attention to you. It is to draw attention to Jesus, right? That, that's it. That's why we do what we do. And, and, and for those of you who, who may have teaching gifts, you've got to wrestle with that because we're, we're sinful and we can easily make this about ourselves easily make this about ourselves, but the the gifts are to point to Jesus, the Holy Spirit. His ministry is to point to Jesus, and you've been gifted by the Holy Spirit. So step two is proceed with humility, with sober judgment. I talked a little bit about this idea of interdependency, and we're going to explore that now, but I want to draw your attention just for a moment to think about God. Think about the nature of God. Father, Son, Spirit. He's one, yet three distinct person. This is a, a deeply held Christian belief. If you don't believe that, you're not Christian. So we, we would call that a cult. If you deny the Trinity, you, you are not within Christianity. So God himself, in the Godhead, he is one, yet interdependent, the Father, the Son, and the Spirit. And, and if you were in our theology class, we did a, a class on the, the, Holy, or the, the Trinity, and, and we, what we discovered was, in creation, all three diff, had different ministries in creation, in redemption, All three have different ministries. They operate within a certain sphere, yet they are one. And the church images God in this way. The church images God in the interdependency. When you read the New Testament, you hear all sorts of language. You are one, one body, united. Yet we know there's multiple people in here, yet the the Bible will constantly call the church one. Um, So let's get into Romans 12, 4 to 8, with this in mind, that that when we use our spiritual gifts, when we're operating and serving within the body, we are actually imaging God. We are like God. Um, All right, Romans 12. For as in one body, we have many members the one who contributes in generosity. The one who leads with zeal. The one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. So Paul is saying, hey, there's one, one body and there's many members and you've all been gifted uniquely. This is beautiful. This is beautiful. For some of you, it's, it's mercy and I, I was thinking about naming names, and I call some of you out in, in a good way, but I'm like, I'll inevitably forget someone, and, and so I'm not going to do that. So you know who you are, though. Um, some of you, it's mercy. You, just, you can't stop thinking about hurting people and people in need. And when you look at your life, when I look at your life, it, that's it. That's where you're spending your time. That's the gift of mercy, and it's beautiful, and a church needs it. For others, it's just constant prayer. You're like, hey, pastor, you forgot to pray. We were just together. Like, let's pray. Hey, do you want to get together and pray? Hey, we should pray right now. Hey, the church kind of needs a prayer ministry. I feel like we're lacking that. And that's, again, that's a spiritual gift. We all pray and we all do acts of mercy, but some people are gifted in these areas. So if you have the gift of prayer, you're going to lead us. As a body, you're going to lead us. We need you. We need you to to lead us in that. Others of you are, are teachers, and it's all about doctrine. Hey, you said this. Maybe you should say it this way. That was a little... Off. And, and for some of you that's annoying right when, when us teachers are like hey but you got to be very very careful here and how you lay that out like it matters and, and you might be gifted like that and if you're gifted like that then yeah you have to okay steward your gift if you're a teacher read study take opportunities to teach some of you in here you have discernment and when something is going on in the church I'm, I'm calling you because I know, I know you have that gift, and, and, and I need help. So I call you. And that's how the body of Christ is just working interdependently. We all need each other. Steve and I um, on the elder team, Steve is, is gifted in areas that I'm not. And, and it's not like hey, you need to be like me, Steve. No, we actually, we want to create an elder team where, where we're interdependent, where we're very different from each other, balancing each other out. As Christians, I, I think what we need to, to be careful of is uh, something that people call gift projection. And that, this is simply uh, the idea that, hey, okay, I, I, I feel like I'm a teacher, right? I like to teach, If I demand that all of you have the same passion that I have about teaching the Word of God, um, that is going to hurt some of you because God has not gifted all of you in here as teachers. We should all take care in how we unpack and understand the Word of God, but we should not expect everyone to be like us. If you have the gift of service and you're constantly serving, and and certain people might not be showing up, and you're like, hey, why aren't they here? Well, well, maybe they should be, but maybe um, instead of projecting that, just hey, we got it, we got a group here right now serving. This is a good thing. See, we far too easily expect people to be like us when we do things like, golly, look around, look at this church. Where's people aren't praying. Why aren't they praying? I don't understand it. Well, maybe you have the gift of prayer, and maybe God is going to lead you to to help the church in that area. Or evangelism, like, hey, we need to be out there telling people about God. Yes, it was last week. We need to be doing that. But some of you are gifted in that area, and that's like you wake up and you're thinking, you get out of bed, how am I going to share the gospel today? That's, that's a gift. That's a, a passion. It's, it's within you, and the church has all types. This is interdependence. Dwight Smith says this of the projecting our gifts. All of us, by God's design, tend to view life through our own lenses of giftedness and experience. And too easily we expect others to exercise the same giftedness we do. So we got to train ourselves within a church about this idea of interdependence. Like, hey, this person is just really good in that area. Celebrate it. Right? Don't, don't get upset or jealous when you see somebody that's really good at something and, and you're not. Just say, we need you, brother. We need you, sister. Step up. Yes, we need you. Um, It's good that we know, hey, I know my weaknesses, I know my strengths, I know my gifts, I know where uh, the lanes that I'm good at running in and the lanes that sometimes I have to run in and I'm not good. And where we find ourselves in those lanes, let's tap people that are good at those things. This is the church. In fact, Paul says it like this in 1 Corinthians. Where would be the sense of smell? But as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them as he chose. If all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, yet one body. This Again, this is the beauty of the church. It's interdependency. You don't have to be everything. What you need to think through is, what am I gifted at? And we're going to look at that practically at the end of the sermon, just maybe ask some questions, get you thinking about, hey, what what could my spiritual gifts be? So the church, like God, is one organism made up of many, interdependency. So the church images God. Uh, Here's a quote from a theologian, Herman Bavink, I just wanted to read. He's talking here about the new heavens and the new earth, but I think it it kind of applies to what we're talking about. The image of God is much too rich for it to be fully realized in a single human being. Only humanity in its entirety, local churches making up the universal church, as one complete organism summed up under a single head, that is Christ, spread out over the whole earth as prophet, proclaiming the truth of God, as priest, dedicating itself to God, as ruler, controlling the earth and the whole of creation. Only that is a fully finished, the most telling and striking likeness of God. So again, he's talking new heavens and new earth, redeemed humanity, operating, just imaging God the way that humans were supposed to, and it's all human beings doing that. And the church is, is just a small version of that. When you come here on Sunday and we gather as a whole, you have something to offer. The church has something to give you. There, this is an organism. It is an organism and you are part of it. You are a member in that organism. And I would just kind of, we, we have to fight this idea that we're consumers. But everything we are for the most part all suburbanites. We we live in the suburbs. We live in affluence. We have everything we need, and and we are being marketed to at every moment. Hey, buy this, and it's all being connected to our identity. Buy this because you're like this, and and uh, we're being shaped. This is one of the ways that we conform to the world. We conform by oh you're. Telling me I'm a consumer, I'm going to be a consumer. I'm going to live my life like a consumer. Come to church, okay, what do you have for me today, pastor? Oh, the sermon, okay, I like the sermon today, didn't like it last week, liked the music today, didn't like it last week, and that's not the point. The point is you're a member of this body, and we're all coming and we're worshiping Jesus together, an imperfect, messy body, but one. At one. So don't buy the lie and reduce yourself to a consumer. Paul Washer has an illustration. Some of you saw it this week. It was a, a video that was going around. Paul Washer's a, a pastor, a preacher. And he, when he talks about spiritual gifts, he, he uses an illustration. He takes a kid. I'm not going to do the illustration, but I'll, I'll tell you it, it'll suffice. And he takes a kid in the congregation. He says, hey, come on up here. Run as fast as you can to that wall and back. And, and he says the kids, usually like, oh, mom, can I, can I do this? And it's like, yeah, you can. For this moment, you can run. The pastor's telling you to run. Run to the wall, run back. And his washer will say, hey, he, he comes back. And it's like, hey, you're pretty fast, dude. Um, that was good. Now do it with one leg behind your back. <laughs> and he does it. He's hopping along, Right. Comes back, okay, I'm significantly slower. And then he tells the kid, now do it with two legs behind your back. You can't, right? This is, it's an illustration. This is the church. When, when you lose a member, when you lose one of you, when one of you decides, hey, I'm a, I've got these gifts, but I'm going to be on the sideline, the church is hobbling, hobbling along. When the church's members are functioning the way that they were created to be, there's going to be efficiency. Things are going to flourish. Um, that's a church that we want. That's what we want. We want to um, envision you to say, hey, my, my whole life is a ministry. That's what this sermon series is about. Like it, You don't have to wait for a ministry here. Like Go out. Maybe you're an evangelist. Maybe you're a teacher. Um, What are you doing at work? Hey, maybe there's someone at work who would read the Bible with you, and you could teach. You could could share your faith. You could pray with with people at work or people in your neighborhood. You don't have to wait. All of us. Remember last week? We've been given the ministry of reconciliation. God has handed it to his people and said, This is your ministry. Go. Go represent me, relate to me, represent me, and build and make disciples. The American church, and and I find myself getting sucked into this too, we can get so sucked into the the, the, the model of, I'm the pastor, you're sitting and listening to me, come do that every week, I'm going to teach during the week come listen to me during the week, and it becomes all about, hey, Anthony's teaching. And it's like, that's, that's not the New Testament model. We don't want that. That's what we're trying to push against here. If you remember, we talked about that a bit last week in the members' meeting. Um, a quote from, from Richard Lovelace, he says this, Pastors gradually settle down and lose interest in being change agents in the church. An unconscious conspiracy arises between their flesh and that of the congregations. It becomes understood that the laity will give pastors special honor in the exercise of their gifts if the pastors will agree to leave their congregations pre-Christian lifestyles undisturbed and do not call for the mobilization of lay gifts for the work of the kingdom. I'll try to distill what he's saying is, there's a model of American church which says, Anthony, pastor, you use your gifts. We'll just listen to you every week. Don't tell us to do any ministry. Don't, don't tell us that we can go out there and be ministers. You're the minister. You're the paid guy. We, we just want to listen to you. And and that is unconscious. It it happens, right? It happens sometimes just because of the model of of preaching. I'm standing up here, I'm preaching, I'm using gifts of teaching and preaching, um, but that's not what we want. We want to mobilize all of us to use our gifts and to go and to, to spread and to make disciples wherever we find ourselves, in your home, in your workplace, in your neighborhood, within the church, Ephesians 4, 11 to 12. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and teachers for what? To equip the saints for the work of ministry. The saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ. This is what the last three weeks and this week, the last four weeks, have been about. This is what you're going to continue to to hear from us. It's going to be... Kind of the foot on the gas is like we want to mobilize um, you, and we gotta all be on the same page, and we gotta have unity, and that's another discussion. But we want to mobilize. The vision of Vintage Faith Church is to multiply. That's the the vision. We want to multiply. We want to create leaders, cre- create disciples, create leaders, multiply homes that we're in, multiply influence, partner with other churches to plant churches and see the gospel spread all throughout this area. Onondaga County, Syracuse, gospel spreading, new churches, new pastors, partnering with other churches. we're, We're partnering with a lot of churches in this area and we all have the same Thoughts, mission, vision, like, hey, we want to together see the gospel spread in Syracuse, New York. It's a beautiful thing. Steve and I have been doing this for a year. It's like we're not in competition with churches right down the road, sharing resources. You've seen some of the pastors come into the the pulpit here, but we're sharing resources. These churches have come to us and said, we have an open hand. What do you guys need? I mean, it's a beautiful thing. There's something happening in this county right now. It's kind of under, underground, but it's building where churches are just uniting for the ministry, and we're a part of that here. Our vision is, this is the vision of Vintage Faith Church, to be a church that, number one, exists for the glory of God. Number two, which is this whole sermon series, is point number two, mobilizes our people to live as disciples who make disciples by these five weeks, and to be a church that is committed to teaching the gospel, developing leaders, and church planting in partnership with like-minded churches throughout our area. That's, that's the vision. That's where we want to go. That's where we're pointing our energy and our resources. Yes, we want this church to grow and flourish, but eventually we want to say, hey, Where can we plant other churches with other churches? Steve sent me a a quote last night, and I liked it so much. I'm like, hey, I got to put that in the sermon. But um, it's from a guy, Shane Pruitt, and and he says this uh, along the lines of what we're talking about Don't just attend church, love the church, serve the church, give to the church, invite people to church worship with the church encourage the church participate in the church pray for the church be the church that is it right we can we can either come in as consumers or we can say hey I, I'm in I want to put my lot in with you guys um, where are you going and to do that we need people to discover their spiritual gifts because we know that, that that's how God works. That's what he does. He, he brings into a body people with a variety of gifts. So how do you do that? Let's get practical as we, as we end here. Um, well, if we, we were to go back into the, to the word that we just looked at, number one, seek the Lord in his word. If you are not a, in the Bible, if you're not reading the Bible, if you're not saturated in the Bible, you've got no shot at, at learning what your gifts are. You just don't because you're not going to know God. To understand your gifts, you need to understand God. Um, Second thing, plug into the body. Get to know people. Come on Sunday. Go take someone out for lunch. Go out for coffee. Put your chips in. Become a member. We have membership classes. Plug into the body, number two. Number three, serve in the body. When you serve and, and you see that the body has needs, you're going to find out quickly, oh, this drained me. I, I was working in the kids' ministry. Or I was working in, in finance or wherever, and I, just I'm exhausted. I'll do that because you need it, but it's exhausting me. Please try to find someone else. And, and that's how you're going to find and discover your gifts. Serve. Just serve. Try, try it out. See, see where um, what works and, and what excites you. And the fourth point, you have to know yourself. What do I mean by that? Well, the first thing is, what do you what do you love? What do you aspire to do in this context? I'm not talking about like, hey, Pastor, baseball. I love baseball, I love the Yankees, and can't wait, you know. No, that that's all good. I mean, baseball's fantastic, but what, what do you aspire to do in the context of, of the church. And, and often, I would just say, when you, when you walk in here or when you're around the, the church, what, what's the burden that's placed on you? Do you look around and say, this building's a wreck? We need to, to do this or this or this. Or do you look around and say, that person needs prayer, that person's hurting. Um, or do you feel like, you, hey, I, I, I want to teach, Pastor? I want, you know. Um, so I, I would just say, what do you aspire to do? Do you find yourself in one-on-one conversations often, counseling people? Maybe maybe the Lord is calling you to to counsel. Um, Paul says to Timothy, this saying is trustworthy. If anyone aspires to the office of overseer, he desires a noble task. So he's talking about elders here. And he says, hey, just be, he's not saying if you aspire to be an elder, you can be an elder. He's saying, hey, that's good. You aspire to be an elder. That, that's a good thing. That's noble. So if you aspire to maybe do mercy ministry or prayer ministry, that, that's a good thing. So the first thing that I would ask is, what do you aspire to do? The second thing would be God's providence. Look at your life. Look at your experiences. Is there a pattern that has remained consistent in your life? What is your life experiences up to the point that you are at right now led you to? What experiences have you had? What are you good at? And what do you love to do? but have doors opened, are doors closing? Um, You've got to look around and say, "Hey, is God leading me here or not?" Is God leading me here or not? When I began teaching, it wasn't even on my radar. Um, it was a Pastor Ken. Some of you know him. He just asked me to teach. Hey, he saw something in me that I didn't even see in myself and asked me to teach. And, and my response was, hey, you're, you're the pastor. I, I recognize a certain authority in you. Okay, if you're the pastor asking me to teach, I'm going to do it. And it took Years before I discovered, like, I love this. I want to give my life to this. That didn't happen right away. But doors began opening and opening and further opening. It didn't kick any doors down. In fact, all I was doing was trying to run away from the doors, and the doors just kept opening, and it was like, okay, go here. And I would just submit to you, that's going to be your life too. You're trying to figure out how has God made you? Are doors opening? What do you love to do? Start thinking through that. So the second is, is providence. Um, here's Paul on that, First Corinthians 16. But I will stay in Ephesus until Pentecost, for a wide door for effective work has opened to me, and there are many adversaries. So Paul did his ministry like this. Hey, I've, this door here is closed. In one point, he says, the Holy Spirit has prevented me from going here. And then in this case, he says, a wide door is open. I'm staying. So we, we have to look at providence. God is, is, is sovereign. Like he, This is not an accident that you're here this morning. It's, it's no accident. God is he is sovereign, and he has led you to this point in your life. And the last is affirmation from the body. We don't self-declare spiritual gifts. Um, the body affirms our spiritual gifts. The body uh, is going to say, hey, um, yeah, that you had uh, that guy teaching. He's, he's a teacher. Or... Um, hey, sister or brother, we're, every time we're in Bible study together, you just really have like a sharp word to say in a good way that just kind of penetrates the heart. You do it all the time. You've got a gift there. Or it's discernment. Like you see that in people. Like, hey, you've seen things and been right about things enough where I know that's a gift and I'm going to go to you because you have that gift of Discernment. The body affirms our gifts. So brothers and sisters, I would just say this to you. As we go through this series and we think about the last four weeks, here's some self-diagnostic questions. Number one, am I seeking God as my greatest treasure? Maybe ask your spouse or ask someone else. Are you seeking God as your greatest treasure? And if the answer is no, ask yourself, why? Why not? What's getting in the way? Second question. Am I seeking to walk in the Spirit and abide in Him and obey God? Or am I living for myself? Do I know the clear commands of Scripture and just not obey them? Or am I walking in obedience to him? And again, if not, why? You gotta ask yourself why. Third, am I sharing the gospel with those God has put in my sphere of influence? Does the gospel mean enough to me that I will tell others about it? Am I sharing the gospel? Not only am I sharing the gospel, but does my life attest more to the humility and gentleness of the gospel or chaos and confusion of the enemy? What would others say about me? Again, if you came here with someone, ask ask that person. And lastly today, am I all in with the body of Christ in such a way that I am at least putting myself in a position of discovering my spiritual gifts. So I, I say at least putting myself in a position because I think that's it. That's how we discover our gifts. Just plug in, be in. Not saying spiritual gift tests are bad, but, but often you're gonna answer those in a way that, that you know your answer, the result that you're gonna get. What do others say? What does the body say about you? Coming back to this verse, Colossians 1.16. For by him, this is Jesus, all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things were created through him and for him. You were created by God and for God. And nothing short of losing your life for Jesus is going to scratch that itch that you have, that that itch of discontentment that you're constantly fighting, that I'm constantly fighting, because we want to live for ourselves. And God says, put that to death and live for me. And you'll find life. And you'll find life. Thanks for tuning in with us. We hope that you found this sermon edifying, encouraging, and challenging. To learn more about Vintage Faith Church, visit vintagefaithsistero.com. And of course, if you live in the area, we invite you to worship the Lord with us on Sunday mornings.